Good morning. As you can hear, they are having a party next door. So let's see if we can, you know, rival that a little bit. So if you want to bring an amen to the teaching this morning, I'll make it a big one. We'll just have the kids next door. Like, wow, what's going on over there? I'm so glad that you're with us today. If you're new to People of Hope Church, uh, welcome to week four in our complete existence. We are brand new, following the Lord Jesus, trying to bring hope to the city of Murfreesboro. We want to join with already uh, the wonderful churches that are here in this town. We want to add to and add to and add to the opportunity to help people connect with the hope of Jesus Christ. And we are in the, in the middle of a series called Foundations. And this idea of foundations are what are the things we're building our lives on? What are the things that we want to build our church on? Who do we want to be? How, how are we to live in right relationship with God? And this morning, we're going to jump in today and look at the subject of worship. What is it that we worship? How do we worship? Um, there are a lot of things that we could talk about in worship this morning. We could do an entire six-week series on worship this morning. But have no fear. I'm not going to cram six weeks into one teaching. So relax. But this morning, we're going to follow the Lord uh, through some scriptures and look at some ways the Bible talks about um, worship so that we would be men and women who approach him in right ways and men and women who approach him in all of the opportunity that he has given us, inviting us to come boldly before his throne to enjoy our relationship with him. So let's dive in this morning. We're going to begin with looking at three ways in the book of Matthew that that worship is talked about. The first one is in Matthew chapter two, right at the beginning of our understanding of the story of Jesus coming into the world. The son of God come on the mission to die on the cross for the sins of men and women and to be raised again from the dead. He comes into the world, born in a manger, a humble beginning. Uh, God come to earth, Emmanuel with us. And in Matthew chapter 2, that's where we're going to pick up. Matthew chapter 2, the first couple of verses. Look at this mention of worship. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, Magi are what we often refer to as the three wise men, these these wise people from other lands. Magi from east came to Jerusalem and they asked. They didn't just ask one person. They were asking around. They were knocking on doors. They were talking to officials. They were trying to find the answer to their search. They asked this question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to, what's it say? To worship him. We have come to worship him. Not talk about him, not to study him, but to come and worship him. To bow down, to respond to him with worship. Worship is a verb here in this moment. We want to come and worship him. We want to Keep affection and esteem upon him. We want to marvel at his greatness and, and the wonder of God come to the earth. It's first mentioned here in Matthew chapter 2 is our first picture of worship. Let's skip ahead a couple of chapters to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at another one. This is one, this is one that's a little bit more intense. It's slightly different because... We have Jesus in this wilderness temptation moment with Lucifer or Satan. Um, welcome to church. Let's be really clear about this. 
Satan is a very real entity. He is a fallen angel. He and God are not rivals. They're not equal uh, equals battling it out in a tug of war. And we're not sure who's going to win. God is the creator and Satan is a created being. But Satan is on a mission to steal glory from God. He's on a mission to disrupt your life and my life and to pull us away from enjoying all that Jesus has made possible. And when Jesus came into the world, Satan was pulling out everything he could and he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. There are several temptations that go on in this moment, but we're going to look at one specifically in verse 8. John chapter 4, looking in verse 8. He says, it says, The devil took him to a very high mountain, took Jesus to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And Satan said, All this I will give you, as if it was his to give. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Satan is coming and saying, Listen, I want worship. The worship that belongs to God, I want it for me. I want it to make it all about me. I want you, Jesus, to make much of me. I want you to think I'm wonderful and powerful and awesome and amazing. I want you to bend the knee and bow before me and submit to me. I want you to say that you are below me. I want you to worship me. And Jesus quotes the Bible. We want to build our lives on the Bible. True? Jesus quotes. He says, as it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. There is one true God who made all things, and He is the only one who deserves worship. Everybody worships, though. Some of you are going to pick up something orange and worship some volunteers here in a couple of weeks as football season gets rolling. Others of you are going to pick up some blue, and you're going to be true blue, and you're going to worship and celebrate and say the team is awesome as they're pushing down the field, and you're going to cheer. And all those things are appropriate because you're not building your life and not loving Tennessee or MTSU with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But everybody worships. If you heard somebody talk about the new restaurant that's in town, that's them celebrating and glorifying the wonder of that meal. Has anybody told you about, about this, this new thing that they found, that they found it on Amazon, and it's the best thing they've ever seen, and that's them celebrating and glorifying the wonder of that item, of that thing. Everybody worships. When you go to football games, nobody has to train them to say, like, when something good or amazing happens, then you respond. Nobody has to tell the crowd, like, oh, should we clap now? Should we do this? Or should we shout? Should we do this? It just happens. It erupts out of the soul because you saw greatness. You saw amazingness. You saw beauty. And it was connected to your affection. Satan says, I want that for me. I want you to think I'm awesome. I want you to bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Celebrate his amazingness. And only his amazingness. Love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus will eventually say is the greatest commandment. The invitation to worship a lesser being was not just left to the wilderness. It happens in Murfreesboro in our lives every single week. We are invited to worship lesser things. 
Some of us are putting too much worship of, of a person. Maybe it's our spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance, and, and we're putting too much hope in them. We are celebrating them more than we are celebrating God, who is the only one that we should worship. Some of us are worshiping things and possessions and houses and clothes and money and friends and likes and follows and all those kind of things and we're beginning to worship lesser things and Satan is crafty and he's still coming around trying to steal worship from Jesus. Have you been in your life this week wanting to steal worship from Jesus? Wanting you to talk and talk and talk and talk and celebrate things or talk and talk and talk and promote and, and lift your name up. It's okay to be full of joy in the world that the Lord has made. It is okay to delight in good food and good drink and in the love of a person in your life. It is really okay to celebrate all those things, but only one is to be worshiped. And that is the Lord our God. And Satan's saying, I want the worship. This is what's really hard to digest. God will allow you to worship lesser things for a time. If you want to worship lesser things and connect your life to them and put all of your hope in them, he will let you do it. And he will let you discover that there is no hope in a person, that a person's going to let you down. That a person cannot touch the deepest parts of your soul. That a person cannot meet all of your needs. He's going to let you discover that the things that you like, those things will break. They'll grow old. They'll fall apart. They can be stolen. They can be corrupted. He will let you discover that the only one who is true and great and wondrous and marvelous, the only one who is full of lasting satisfaction, the only one who can touch your life and your heart is the Lord your God. So be on your guard, dear ones, as Satan wants to invite you to worship lesser things. There's one more picture of worship here in the book of Matthew. Turn with me over to Matthew 15. A few pages to your right. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. We're going to pick up in verse 7. Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisees. And we're honest, it's actually more of a confrontation. Jesus is sort of laying it out for the Pharisees. He is calling them out on the compromise that they're living. He's calling them out on the shallow way that they are living. On the pretend religion that they are living. Matthew chapter 15, we're going to pick up in verse 7. And so Jesus says to them, there it is, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Let's take a little bit deeper look here at this text right now. Jesus calls them hypocrites. And then he quotes Isaiah. This is a verse from Isaiah 29. 
He quotes Isaiah saying uh, that Isaiah was right. The people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What Jesus is saying is, is that you're going to worship, but you're just going through the motions. You think worship is a place. You think worship is an event. And you're singing some songs and you're, you're doing some stuff, but your heart is a million miles away. See, this is why I like to be referred to as a Christ follower and not a religious person. A religious person sings songs and does rituals for the sake of those rituals. But I am all in with my heart for my God, who is everything. And when I worship him, my lips and my heart are connected. That what my lips are saying is actually coming out of the overflow of my heart in that moment. It's possible, according to what Jesus is saying, for us to come to a gathering of worship and be hypocrites. In that. That's actually possible, where you can be moving your lips, but your heart's a million miles away. And I'm inviting you this morning and calling you this morning that some of you would wake up from the sleepiness of religious habit. That you would wake up from the, the ritual that you have here in the Bible Belt, here in the South, where just on Sunday you get up and you put on some clothes and you show up at a building and you go through the motions and you try to honor God with your lips, but your heart is a million miles away. Some of us need to wake from that Stupor from that glaze of religion. Some of us have been in church so long that worship has become an event that starts at a certain time and ends at a certain time. It better end at a certain time because kickoff is coming. Or the lines are going to be too long at lunch. And when we're thinking those thoughts, our hearts are a million miles away from saying, where is the Son of God that I might worship Him? Where is He that I might worship Him? Would you please tell me where He is? Will you please tell me where the King is who was born? I want to come and worship Him like the Magi were saying. Let us be more like them than Satan. Let us be more like them than the Pharisees who were faithful in their ritual. Some of you have really good church attendance. But in your more honest moments, and only you know this about your heart, you would say, frequently, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm not really thinking about the words on the slides when the songs are going. I'm just sort of going through it. And I'm not... I'm kind of thinking, do I like this song or do I not like this song? Do I know this song or do I not know this song? I'm not looking at the slides for anything I can grab onto that I might heap glory upon the Son of God. And there are days when I'm just here and I'm just sort of, I'm at worship, but I'm not exercising the verb worshiping. Jesus is show, showing us it is possible that we can move our lips and our hearts are a million miles away. So with those three pictures this morning in Matthew, I want to kind of leap from there and give you some encouragements and some challenges and some pastoral callings this morning about how you come to worship. 
We are going to gather as a people. The Bible tells us that we should not forsake the assembly of getting together with other Christians. We are starting a church. We're, we're having gatherings. The gatherings matter. God doesn't live in this building. God isn't confined to any building. It's not about a place but it is about coming around the Son of God and seeing Him for who He is and responding from our souls to give Him glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving to delight in Him with all of our heart. We want that kind of community here at People of Hope. We want you on every single Sunday, whether you're gathering here with us or gathering somewhere else, we want you all in as a verb worshiper. So let me give you some encouragements this morning. I'm going to give you five. And we'll look at a couple other scripture passages together. But right now, I want us to look at these five together. The first one is that we would engage. The first word for you this morning, when you come to worship, I'm calling you and I'm inviting you to engage. To move beyond your hands in your pockets. Go through the singing time. To get through the speaking time. To get through one more singing time so we can head home. Or head to lunch. I'm calling you to engage, to be an active worshiper. Engage with your soul. Be reminded this morning that music isn't worship. All of what we do when we gather is worship. It is aimed at lifting up the greatness and goodness of our God. And it is very possible for you to worship and not be singing. Anybody ever been to the beach and seen a sunset or crystal blue water, taking a deep breath in the sunshine and giving glory to God? That's worship. It's also possible for you to, you, know, you, can, you can worship but not be singing, but you can also be singing and not be worshiping. We want to engage from the depth of our soul and make sure that we're not worshiping in vain. Worship is, is a response that we make to God. That's the second word. It's respond. When you engage, but I also want you to respond to God. When you come to a worship gathering, when you are worshiping the Lord, respond to His greatness and goodness. My life was absolutely changed as a college student when I heard um, someone do a teaching on Worship And the idea absolutely was a game changer for me for every moment that I was involved in any kind of a church experience from every day since then till now. I grew up thinking that church and worship was just an event. It was a place. It was an event on Sunday morning. And you stood up there and you, and you sat, in, sat in pews with all the other people. And there was an event. And there were some people up on the stage or on the platform who were leading it. And I was sitting out in the audience. And all, that was the way I grew up. And I was watching what they were doing. And I was just there and hoping I might just not fall asleep through it. But I was radically, dramatically changed in my thinking when I was a college student and I heard this definition of worship. It's going to come up on the screen for you here. Worship is our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the things we do. This is a definition that uh, Louis Giglio had put together teaching a Bible study on my college campus. 
Worship is our response. It's an active thing. We see God and we respond. The text that Louis used in that teaching was from Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah starts there and he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And smoke filled the space. And the foundations shook. And there were seraphim. And they were and they had six wings. And they flew and they spoke. And they kept saying, Glory to God. Glory to God. Holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And when I saw the Lord, my response was worship. Worship is our response to God, not a musician, not a preacher. It's our response to God. I hear God in what you're saying. I hear God in what we're singing. I see God in the lyrics that we're seeing on there about his faithfulness, that he's the lion, that he's the lamb, that he's worthy. He's our hope and our healer and our rescue, our deliverer. He's all our hiding place. I see that and I respond with, yes, 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 I love you, God. It's our response to God, both personal and corporate. Corporate means in the gathering, in the group. We all do this together. We're all here this morning worshiping together. This is a corporate worship gathering. But it's also our response personally. Whether it's you on the beach or you walking in your neighborhood and, and worshiping the Lord or you in your car just going after it at a red light with some great worship song blaring on the radio just going for it. It, it can be personal or it can be corporate. Our response to God, both personal and corporate, for who He is, and what he has done. It's important that we understand both of those things. We do not worship God simply for the fact that he's answered our prayers. We do not worship God simply for the fact that he has provided the things that we needed. We worship him because he himself is worthy. True? He himself is enough. If he never answered another prayer in your life or in my life, the greatness and glory and beauty and power, ineffable God, unspeakable greatness of God, edgeless God, without beginning or end God, full of wonder and might God. He is worthy of worship all by himself. So we worship who he is and what he has done. Lord, you repaired this in my life. You fixed this in my life. You restored this in my life. You rescued this. You provided this. You answered my prayer for direction and you showed me the way I should go. You helped with this situation that was falling apart. You came through. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There is no one like you. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, maybe it's one of yours, is when the people of Israel came up to the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is following close behind. They're there and God just flexes his arms and parts the Red Sea. And the people of Israel walk through on dry land. A couple of million people walking on dry land while the walls of water stood back at the hand of Almighty God. And they pass through and God says, release and the waters crashed down on the Egyptian army. So not only are the Israelites saved, but the enemy is defeated. And there is a song that is sung on the other side of the Red Sea. 
And it says, who is like you, O Lord? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, always working wonders. Who is like you, O God? The situation in my office, which just looked like it was a disaster. You, O Lord, I thought it was going to either go A or B. And I had no idea that there was like an option H. And you made option H happen and it was amazing. Lord, my child was wandering and they were not following after you and they were getting into some dark stuff and they were headed down a road of disaster. They were headed down a road of ruin and I prayed and my friends prayed and our family prayed and you answered and were merciful to them and they came to their senses and were called back before they went off the edge of the cliff. Let us be sure to respond to God for what he has done. Has God been good to you? Has God been faithful to you? Then bring on full and verb worship, engaged, responsive worship to who he is and to what he has done. And it's expressed in and by the things we say and the things we do. You can perform acts of love as acts of worship. You can sing as an act of worship. You can read the scriptures as an act of worship. You can marvel at a sunset and never open your mouth as an act of worship. But let us be people who respond to God respond to him. The thing that was a game changer for me in college as I heard this teaching was it flipped everything for me. I always thought in church that the people up on the platform were the performers and the people up there were the audience. And this is what I was taught in college. This is, this is absolutely mind-blowing. It, it changed everything. That the people out here are the performers of worship and God is the audience. God is the audience. These are just the leaders. These are just the coaches. These are just the ralliers up on the stage going, remember who he is and respond. Remember what he's done and respond. We get so dragged down in our busy lives, our crazy lives, our unfulfilling lives. We get so busy chasing after things that won't last. We get so busy lost in our loneliness and lost in our, our discouragement and lost in some of the chaos that our political system's going through. And it just seems like things are falling apart left and right. We get our eyes focused on all those things. And we need to come to a place where someone stands up here and says, remember who he is. And respond. Remember what he's done. And respond. So please, dear friends, let me pass this to you. You pick this up and carry it. When you come to gather for worship, you are the performers of worship, and God is the audience. You're singing, not for the person in front of you, 
so that they would go, man, there's some amazing harmonies happening here behind me. You're singing not for the crowd moment. You're singing for an audience of one, for him. When you're sitting on that beach or sitting at the park or on your back porch and the breeze blows beautifully and the sun sets with colors of pink and orange and red and your heart smiles. Not for your journal, not for Instagram, not to post for someone else to like. You can post it, that's fine. But he is the audience. Make sure that's clear. We want to engage. We want to respond. We don't want to just go through the motions. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who were moving their lips, but their heart was a million miles away. So don't ever think that these are the performers and you're the audience. We are the performers of worship and he is the audience. I hope that you have a little fear and trembling in your heart this morning that it would never be said of you, like Jesus said of the Pharisees, that you are hypocritical, that you come to a ritual meeting and you move your lips, but your heart's a million miles away. That's possible, though. I want you to look at a passage of Scripture with me in Isaiah chapter 1. It's going to come up on the screen. Isaiah chapter 1, this is what the word of the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. There we go. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have no more of burnt offerings, of rams, and of fat and fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Okay, time out for a moment. That's the way the people came to do their ritual worship. They came to bring these animals to sacrifice. And God was saying, no more of that. The next part of this says, When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts, bringing meaningless offerings. If you're not picking up on this, God's hot. You're just going through the motions. You're bringing meaningless offerings. You're trampling my courts. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons and Sabbaths and convocations, the festivals and things that you do, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. One more. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. It's been a long time for a lot of us since we've heard a word from God with that sharp of an edge on it. The Bible is full of these warnings. It says, don't go to sleep, worshiper. 
Don't become religious, worshiper. Don't just show up and move your lips, worshiper. Don't just go to the event, worshiper. Engage and respond that you might not worship in vain. First word I gave you this morning was to engage. The second word was respond. The third challenge or calling that I would bring to you in worship is that you would humble yourself. Here's the third challenge and calling in worship, that you would humble yourself, that you would have a reminder when you come to gather for worship to submit to the king. That you would yield to his headship over your life. That you would reorient and recalibrate your life and get low again and say he is high and exalted and great and powerful and limitless and he can do anything. And I am not. (laughs) And I cannot do all that I need to lead my own life. I need you to be my shepherd and my king. And I, I give you my allegiance Freshly, in a new way, one more time. I say to you that I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. I cannot figure it out. I do not see the road ahead, but you see all things. And I'm coming to humble myself today. I don't have it all together. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know how what's going to go on this week, but you do. And I need you. When you come to worship, humble yourself. And get everything oriented rightly. One is a master. One is a disciple. One is a father. One is a child. One is a king. One is a loyal subject. Come before the Lord and humble yourself. Some of you, when you come to worship, one of the things you need to refresh in and stir up the waters in is in the area of confessing your sins. Some of you need to do the biblical word repent, which is to turn away from your sinfulness. The biblical word for repent means I was going in this direction and I did an about face and now I'm going in this direction. And when you gather and when you remember who he is and you remember what he has done and you're face to face with his word, those are the moments when you say, all right, I'm going to humble myself right now. And I want to say that some of the things I've been doing, some of my habits in secret, some of my thoughts, some of my actions, some of my attitudes are not at all godly. And I want to humble myself and yield to your way and your word. And I'm going to do an about face right now. Notice I'm not promising that I'll never, never, never do it again for the rest of my life. But I'm saying, God, this isn't who I want to be because it's not who you want me to be. So I am turning in this moment. When you come to worship, humble yourself and repent of your sins. It's so important that everything is clear and everything's right. God's word matters. Holiness still matters. Obedience still matters. True? And one of the most powerful responses to God is when you humble yourself and to your father about the issues you've been struggling with, about the sins you've been dabbling in, when you say to your father, yes, sir. I'll start going your way. Yes, sir, I'll put that down. Yes, sir, I will run far away from that. 
Yes, sir, I do know that that's not right. That, yes, sir, to God, is worship. Humble yourself before the Lord your God. Number four, the fourth word, this is two more, is that you would give thanks. This is the next con that you would give thanks. Psalm 9, it's going to come up on the screen for you here. Psalm 9, verse 1, simply says, I will give thanks to the Lord, to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, Most High. I will give thanks. Anybody have air conditioning in their house this week? Give thanks. Anybody have regular meals this week? Give thanks. Anybody got someone who's pledged and promised to be with you till death and they part? Give thanks. Anybody got a house full of amazing kids? Give thanks. Anybody got a job where income shows up twice a month? Give thanks. Anybody walking in health this morning? Give thanks. Let us be careful to notice all of the ways that God has shown himself to be faithful and good. And when you come to worship, one of the great responses, one of the ways that you can engage is like the psalmist. You can say, I will give thanks to you, Lord. I'll have a moment that's to you. You're the audience. And in this moment, I want to thank you for those blessings. And I want to name them specifically. And I want to tell you I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for that. And oh Lord, for that. And for that friend. And for that person. And for that conversation in the hallway. And for that opportunity last week. And for the email I got at just the right time. Or the text message that came through. I'm just thankful, Lord. Oh, you're so good. You're so kind. You're so faithful. You have been taking care of me all week long. You're you're a wonderful father. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, God. It's so good to belong to you. It is so good to be your child. That's worship. Hello? I will give thanks with all my heart. Don't just let it be a mental list. Well, I had air conditioning. I had Wi-Fi. I had food. I got a wife. It's been a good week. And my dog's awesome. It's from the heart. I believe that the thankfulness goes to the heart when we connect with that idea of it is so good to belong to our God. There is no one like our God. There's no one who fathers us like Him. There is no one who shepherds us like Him. There is no one who fights for us like Him. Give thanks. Lastly, go through these again. Called you to engage, not just go through the motions, that you would respond to God, who He is, and what He has done. That you would humble yourself and submit and repent, reprioritize. That you would give thanks, and then lastly, 
Bring your needs. Bring your needs. That thing you've been carrying all week long, you can bring that to God and you can do what the Bible says. You can cast all your cares upon him. Well, I feel like some of these cares are small. Cast them all upon him. True? Well, this one is just big. He can handle everything. There's never been a problem the Lord has encountered that he has ever found himself powerless in front of. There's never been a moment where God was stumped as to what to do. There's never a situation that is beyond his ability to absolutely change it. That is our God, true? Lord, this just is so messy and it's so ugly. And some of the mess I'm in right now, I caused it. Do you guys relate to those moments? I don't feel like I should come to you and bring my needs in worship. But when you take a need and you go, where, where can I bring this need? Oh, I'm going to try my spouse and that won't work. I'm going to try Google. I searched for some things and that didn't help very much. I'm going to try over here. Where can I go? When you go to God, when you say, Lord, I'm bringing this and I'm laying it at the feet of the one who parts waters, the one who raises the dead, the one who can do anything, the one who I believe you are where my help comes from. That casting of that care is worship. It's faith. I believe in you. Here's my care. Here's my marriage. Here's my school issue. Here's my situation on my team. Here's the struggle I'm having with my health or my child's health. And I am laying it before you. And sometimes, Lord, I feel a little powerless in that. All I'm doing is praying. No, you're not. You are casting your care into the hands who made the heavens and the earth. Bring your needs in worship. All of them. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we are the sons and daughters of God. True? And as we talked about last week, if it matters to you, it matters to God because he's a wonderful father and he cares about what's going on in your life and you can come to him. And I just want to remind you that when you come in on Sundays, when you come to gather for worship, be real. If your world is crumbling, you don't have to smile and pretend like it's not. There ought to be some weeks when we are just limping to a chair and holding back the sobs, eager for the moment when some lyrics will come on a screen that says, you are worthy of your name. There's no one like you. And faith begins to rise. You see, what happens when we come into a gathering of worship is that we make declarations. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Hello? You're the lion of Judah. I'm declaring that. I'm declaring that you are the lion of Judah and nobody gets in your way and you send enemies to flee and you rout every scheme of the devil. You are the lion of Judah. 
go before me. And you fight the battles for me. I'm declaring that today. Because I got battles in my life. You're the, you're the lamb who was slain. And God, I'm in a situation that I partly caused because of my sinfulness or my selfishness. I'm in a situation because of my own depravity and my own sinfulness. But you're the lamb who was slain and you died for all of my sins. And that by believing in Jesus and his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, I could be saved, forgiven and clean. So as I'm declaring that, faith is rising about my battles in front of the lion. And as I'm declaring that, faith is rising. As I'm realizing that even though I'm sinful, I am clean before God because of Jesus. Worship is a place to bring your need. And the one who says he has no needs is a liar. He's worse than a fool. Because we all know we have needs. And a miracle has happened. Jesus Christ died for your sins on a cross. And he made a way for you to have a relationship with the holy God of the universe. And he purchased your access to him Anytime, anywhere. And you, if you believe in Jesus, always have right standing with God, no matter what. Not because you've been good, but because Jesus did what he did. I have access to God. I can bring my needs. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry that it's too small or too big. Come on in worship. And let's declare, let's believe, let's hope, let's trust, let's lean in and be grateful and be thankful. Let's engage him and with our, make sure there's not just our lips, but our hearts in it as well. And let's respond to who he is with exaltation. And let's respond to what he's done with treasuring and thanksgiving and affection. Let's worship. You ready to worship this morning? I'm ready to worship. Here's how we're going to finish this this morning. We're going to, I'm going to ask the band to come up and get ready to lead us in two more songs this morning. And this is an opportunity for you to just grow in your life as a worshiper, to shake off the concerns about what anyone else thinks about the loudness of your voice or where your hands are or what you're doing in your seat. This is a moment for you to respond and engage with God. This is a moment for you to respond to who He is into what he has done. This is a moment to give thanks. This is a moment to bring your needs. Let's worship the Lord. Let me lead us in prayer and then we're going to sing together to him.